Welcome to the third series of our show called Abaklotli. Abaklotli is a Nguni name for storytellers, and our show, Abaklotli the Storytellers, aims to share and unlock local, intercontinental, and intergenerational stories of women, illuminating women that are shaping and creating legacies, profiling African women as thought leaders and change makers. My name is Lebu Biko. I am joined by my partner, Rehema Isa, and together we're the founders of Womenomics Africa. Womenomics is a non-profit organization that exists to accelerate women's participation in what we believe are key economies, not just locally, but across the continent. In this third series, titled Mastering Change, we are so excited to be partnering with BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. As you can tell from the name, Mastering Change is inviting our guests to share their experiences and their perspective of how they've navigated both personal and business change. In the hot seat today, we have Jean Grunewald, ex-CEO and founder of Elgin Free Range Chickens. Welcome, Jean. Thanks so much. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. Thank you for to have you. Thank you for joining us. And you're joining us from our Cape Town studio. And so we're so grateful for what technology has been able to illuminate for us, I think, particularly over the last two and a half years, yeah, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> if we had tried to do this before, we would have tried to kind of get logistics around getting everybody in the room. But here we are. We can have these conversations. And so we, we're so excited to have you in what I call the hot seat today, Jean. <laughs> Thanks, Lebo. <laughs> Wonderful. So I, I, I'm going to um, ask you to introduce yourselves to our listeners, even though we, 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 we've Googled, we've read up about you, we have a bio, we don't want to read it out to people. But I think in, in, in the context of this conversation, and you will hear from the different episodes that we've had and are having as part of this series, we allow this part of the conversation to be led by our guests, because we give them the opportunity to highlight what it is that they want our, our, our listeners, particularly on this platform, to know about them. So I'm going to hand over to you, Jean. I'm going to ask you, how do you want to be introduced now because I know that you've had quite an illustrious career, kind of kind of successful career over the last couple of years and I know that you're in a different phase of your life right now. What do you want the listeners to know about who Jean Grunewald is now? Thanks, Lebo. I think I'm I'm in a in a transformation stage in who I am. I'm, I've sold my business, so I'm the ex CEO as you introduced me. Um, and it's coming up for a year on the nineteenth of November. It's a very big day in my life. So oh, wonderful. currently now I am a retiree, as I say, but not old enough to be a pensioner, so I don't get pensioners <laughs> discounts yet. Um, I'm 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 in a very I'm in a very strange stage in my life, so I can't say I'm actually anything specific. I'm I'm finding my new role in, in the next phase of my life. That's probably where I'm at. So it's in a, in a, in a transition stage. That's, that's, that's a, how are you finding that? Because I mean, you know, that could be a very, I mean, for me, for instance, I'm one of those people, if I don't know where I'm going and what's happening and what's happening next, ambiguity can, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm trying to, to, to become comfortable with a bit of ambiguity. How are you finding this in limbo space that you're in at it's, this point in time? It, it's a very interesting question because most people that are working really hard, if I say I'm a bit lost and I'm aimlessly extremely busy but with no direction, 
people look at me and gosh you know she's so lucky she sold her business she doesn't have to work um i having come from extreme structure working yeah. every day to suddenly waking up and not knowing well what should i do so i promised myself 6 months of not doing anything so that i did not um you know you were a bit all over the show um and in that 6 months i did things that i never have a chance to do went for a walk on the beach yeah um visited friends just very very gentle things that i really haven't had much time to do um but in the last 6 months i'm i'm starting to need a bit of structure in my life to know i've i've got to do this today i must plan that <laughs> works for me just to have a bit of structure and um what i am doing now is really giving back of my time so i'm a little bit more philanthropic at the moment um i'm mentoring my i've sort of put myself out there to help mentor young up and coming businesses so far it's all females which is great for me Yay! i i we love that <laughs> I I probably relate better to women in business than men. Yeah. I think we just yeah. do do things differently, not yeah. that one's right or wrong, it's just different. Um so in the last um I mean yesterday I was with one of the ladies I'm mentoring and she's just growing in leaps and bounds but isn't checking all the steps in the process and I can guide there. I spent a day in a little town called Middlepost helping those ladies who had no no faith in themselves to grow what they want to do and i just helped them and guided them and the the pleasure and sort of internal joy i get from that is amazing um and it's a really good space to be in because i feel i am giving back of 22 years 25 yeah. years of working knowledge i'm i'm able to share that back into communities and also every every business that grows creates jobs for well as they grow more and more people yeah, which yeah, is wonderful Jean yeah. it's so exciting to have you here i remember sitting at a party um mm. a few weeks ago and i must say i was at a party and i was dressed like superwoman for the first <laughs> time in my life having absolute fun Actually you're actually wearing the costume of the you know because they say what's your who, what's your what's your superpowers like yeah. I'm a woman no, so they I was like <laughs> yeah, wearing, yeah. yeah I was manifesting me in yeah. all stages yeah. and there's something beautiful and powerful I think of somebody's name being spoken in their absence which such reverence mm. such excitement such joy mm. and that's how I came across your name for mm. the very first time it was through one of your friends mm. and I was listening to how she was explaining the work that you do. So it's always p- beautiful being in a circle of men and women and hearing how people speak of another person mm. and what they choose to say. And the choice of of conversation there was that you are a serial entrepreneur mm. and whilst you're taking a break, um chances are whatever you put your fingers on, you've got the Midas touch <laughs> is going to turn to gold. So whilst apparently you are taking a break and apparently you are rearing sheep, um or is it lamb? Um um the chances are you're going to create another mega business. I don't know if that's the case. But we're really curious, right? Um and whenever we're around, we get to hear stories about people. Um we get to hear snippets about their lives even before we meet them. In your experience, what is the most frequently shared story 
about you and why is this the case and I think I must share that part of what came through was the philanthropic side mm. the fact that you are supporting other women that you've got a lot to give back and that's where some of your heart stays but in your experience um, given what you've mm. chosen to share as your story mm. what are you finding is the most prolifically shared tale about you and why is this the case mm. I think, um, thanks for all those kind words, <laughs> words Rahima. Um, I, I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I'd love to hear what I'm like through somebody else's, um, else's uh, opinion. Um, it's I think what initially, I think if I have to say what was mostly shared, because people always want to do a story on you, and um, it was a female in a male, more male dominated environment being mm-hmm. yeah. being agriculture agribusiness agri-processing um, so I stood out in that sector in that um, I was a female I was doing free range which at that point I sort of pioneered free range in South Africa it was not it was poo-pooed it, it wasn't going to work it couldn't be done that way you can't farm without medication antibiotics mm. growth promoters mm. um and 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 that was the main story shared but as time has gone on and the business has grown i think people wanted to understand my the way i managed and the way i interacted with staff i mean at the time of closing i was interacting with over about a thousand people Mm. And I think we implemented a huge number of steps, and I don't think this interview is long enough to actually <laughs> go with all of them. But what I am going to say is um, the one thing we, we implemented was a, um, a cultural specialist, if I can put it this way, who brought into... He spent two years, three years working with us, teaching black, white, colored, male, female... Gay, lesbian, I I can't think of all the terminology, but each person's needs and traditional perhaps um, requirements and and respect for each of those to understand each other and not feel Mm. threatened by it. A simple, simple example very quickly is um, in my, my tradition is if I walk in and there are young people, they should get up and walk up and come and greet me. And in the black culture, if there are young people in the room and a senior black person walks in, those people bow their heads, they look down, they wait to be approached. So the younger black people in the business with the older white person, nobody was greeting each other because Mm. I was waiting for them and they were waiting for (laughs) me. me. And it became an... It's such a simple... It is so simple. You're right. (laughs) But it became such a big deal that I thought they just don't like me. And he came in and he just said, look at this. So I said, wow, light bulb moment. Walk back in, greeted. And that was just one of the millions of little small things. So it's about the fluffy stuff that... I put back into the business um, that I can say is the second part of the story that is shared mainly about me. I mean, an, another one is tea and cake with Mama. My name was Mama. So every every Tuesday for an hour, ten people of would come and sit and have tea and cake with me, and we spoke about anything but work. Where do you come from? What are your dreams? I had three standard questions and answers from that. From that, we reacted, built a school on site. 
So I, th- I think perhaps that is the second part, and that was probably what my friend was talking about, my philanthropic side, is putting back into people, improving the workplace to be a home away from home, to be a family that's not your blood family. Um, and I think we saw that really sticking its head out in COVID because we sent everybody home that could possibly go home and the the the, the production staff obviously had to stay. We were non-essential. And all the staff that were sent home were begging to come home. We had to start to come home, <laughs> to come back to, to work. work. We had mm. to start a rotational mm. system for people to come back to the office and not, you know, not exceed um, the number of people in the building with the COVID rules. So I think it's a very long answer to your question. But initially uh, mm. it was a woman in a man's place doing agriculture. The second part is probably what I'm more proud to be known of is how how we changed the culture in our company to be come a second home and a second family. Wow, the word that comes to mind um, and with us being Nguni, I'm not even sure which language it's from anymore, is Utu. Utu. Um, Utu, I think it's probably Swahili because then what I start mixing. It's like Butu. Oh, the Butu. Yeah. So Ubuntu. Ubuntu, so, yeah. We yes. actually, yes. actually yes. one of our, one of our, our committees, yeah. one of our committees was called the Ubuntu Committee because yeah. we just included everybody on this committee to have a voice for all it's um yeah it's um, ubuntu is most you for me and me for you or one for I, all it's it's i am because you are i so am because exactly you are that's right indeed indeed yeah yeah, yeah. and it's a spirit of humanity uh, yeah. that humane context i mean i'm listening in and and from what i understand is like a one-man show to having over a thousand people yeah. And still being able to project, manifest and make real this identification, this ability to um, connect with people's identity, yeah. to bring that into the workplace, mm-hmm. that ability to connect one on one and make time for individuals and that choice of going free range. I mean, it's just the consciousness of oneself in an yeah. environment and one's connection <clears throat> to people in the environment that I think is something that we struggle with. I mm. mean, being in the space that, you know, one boxes into What's the difference of woman leadership? I think I'm listening to you and I'm like, wow, that is the beautiful epitomization of an ability to bring one's own character and self into a space and not take anything away from that and create a multi-million rand business um, and be successful at that without taking away any part of your identity or trying to fit into something else. That is extremely humbling to listen to. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. People don't spend a lot of time thinking about financial services. They simply think about the money they need to do things and the things they need to do with money. That's why we don't think of ourselves as a financial services provider. Rather, we're a money company. In fact, we're the needs-matched money company. Everything we do is, well, needs-matched including providing the world's first-ever needs-matched life insurance. Life insurance that changes as your life changes. And because we know our lives change, because we wanted to know and share everything there is to know about change, we call this school of thinking Change Science. It's why we created the Change Exchange, a free resource filled with tips, tools and other people's stories of navigating change in their lives. 
and it's why we created this podcast series. You can find many more on changeexchange.co.za or on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for Change Exchange. They always talk about culture trumping strategy all the time. And and I want to get your views on how that journey was, right? Because um, we've had conversations with other women leaders where I think because they were in a man's world, they were struggling with this nurturing side that came naturally for who they were and fighting that because they needed to kind of show a different kind of persona of who they are to 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 survive in that particular space how did you find that because what i'm what i'm getting from you is that you you kind of leaned into who you were and kind of allowed this to kind of you know kind of kind of you know kind of go throughout the entire organization how did you find that 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 journey what does yeah i think um i think if you don't have a culture and you don't have a cohesive workforce you can have whatever strategy you like you're not going to get there because yeah. it's not a team pulling together no. so that's a, a short answer but the, <laughs> the only way is is to have a good company culture um, we we created a company that was the sought-after employer in town and what that creates it's a win-win for everybody Indeed. so you have a good culture you have a good workplace, you have good working conditions, you have a proper living wage, um, and then you don't have absenteeism, you don't have staff turnover that's huge because everybody wants to stay there. And it, it's a it's a spin-off both ways. And the more profitable yeah. the company is, the higher your increases you can have. We, it was our absolute drive never to be anywhere near minimum wage that we always said we will be the highest paying employer in that area. And and it, it turned things around mm. hugely. Mm. And, you, and you get the people that you want in your organization, right? And mm. I think that's that's awesome. You want to... Yeah, yeah. I do. Um, we have a joke, a running joke in my family, my kids. Um, I've got two daughters, 14 and 18. And we've decided, um, based on my husband's behavior, my husband's always going to Willie's and he's always buying the chicken. And he's always about the free-range chicken. And I'm, I, I hear part of your story is being a supplier um, to, such, to such an organization, mm. right? Um, but I'm sitting back as an entrepreneur and listening to the story of this woman who's been able to infuse a large part of her personality into her business and I'm sitting and I'm looking at my mm. business partner here and I'm like gosh we struggle <laughs> we're, we're looking at each other like <laughs> <laughs> things we have to do the yeah. things that we have to yeah. do we have to yeah. struggle but yeah. did you set out to be deliberately this in business or is it something that came um, along the way did mm. you have to learn to be a particular way in business or did you deliberately set out to a create a, a, a huge business um, but be to make sure that the way that you exist is personified in this entity that you were creating okay so I definitely did not set out to build a big business I never I never thought that was it was never in my wildest dreams I never thought I was going to be a businesswoman I, I was happy to be on the farm and just carry on casually there um, so I definitely did not set out to be that but as um, you used the term earlier but I am a serial entrepreneur and mm. I started realizing that I see opportunities everywhere which is a curse 
uh, and a, 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 burden. a curse. It's a burden and a blessing because because you if settle? you follow too many opportunities, uh-huh. yes. you have four thousand balls in the air and they will drop. Indeed. So I believe that becoming a mature serial entrepreneur, you learn which which opportunities you react on and take, and which you say. It's great, but let somebody else take it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then the, the other question was, the second part of the question was, how did I, did I set out to be this kind of person in the workplace? The other very, very burdening and blessing part of an entrepreneur is the strong-headed, nobody can do it better Personality trait. I'm I'm assuming that with that reaction you feel the same. That's so obvious. (laughs) So I think um, if if I if when I started off, I, I started off me myself and I, and I fed the chickens, I slaughtered the chickens, I packaged the chickens, I did the books, I delivered the chickens, I oh, ordered the next lot. You know, I, I only started with a hundred chickens, so I did everything. And then, as it grew, you you cannot possibly do everything. But which part do you give to somebody? How can you trust anybody to do the same as you? And you can't. And unless you realize that, you won't be able to grow your business. And guess what? You can't find somebody that's exactly the same as you. But you are mm. not perfect and you are mm. not you are not the God of all businesswomen. And when you allow other people and and, and, and you delegate, um, they come with a different skill set that actually can can improve things even more. Mm. But it's a very big step to take to go from um, leader, sole proprietor, be do it myself, control freak, um, to okay, here we go. Thank you. Will you do this? Will you do that? Will you do that? Yeah. And to trust them and not micromanage them. You know, I think there's a whole podcast on that, right? This mm. letting go. Yeah. Um, it comes with a whole amount of of humility um, and a whole amount of learning, the ability to learn as you go. Because I think when you ex- when you seed to is it seed or exceed? Sometimes mm. English goes to England. Yeah. Um, but, but when you when you I'm going to use the word seed um, to not being as the words that you use, the boss of everything. Yeah. Um, you you learn that even as somebody who's learning, others will also learn. And I think you learn to, to trust the failure points of mm-hmm. not just yourself, but everybody else as painful and as expensive yeah. as, as those may be. And that's quite a bit of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about your, your work and organizational culture, you know, earlier on, I was listening to, you know, the, the pre- conversation that you were having uh, and even now you allude to the fact that the the company that everybody wants to work for what was the significance of that i have a mother who was in the chicken business um, mm. and one of my failed businesses is actually agro-processing in the chicken industry so i've got a history in this <laughs> poultry <laughs> environment right um and as a serial entrepreneur um, with many failures behind my back why is running businesses the way you do important and for whom i think i'm i'm very hard on myself mm. and i never ever 
want anybody to point a finger at me and say what you did was awful or bad. So in in my my pillars on which I build my business are morals and ethics. Mm. Um, and for me, that's what's important is in every decision I make, in every every move every business decision every hr decision it's all around is that morally correct and is it mm. ethically correct mm. um and the 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 farming that i did was it was free range so there were two aspects on that side of things that i wanted to produce a product that the consumer can with all good conscience say I'm I'm proud to to buy this product. I believe mm. it's been done in the correct way. So there's no animal welfare issues. There was no um, mistreatment treating of the animals, um, as well as it's a healthier option. And I think the big thing for me was growing from small to big. Often, yeah. when people expand um, exponentially. So when I started, I had a hundred chickens every eight weeks. When I sold. The business was doing 170,000 a week. Wow. So when you grow exponentially like that, you often lose so much of that product integrity, ethics, mm. moral principles due to just growth. And the pursuit and, of profit. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that. And I think for me, what, what drove me is there have been challenging times. It hasn't all been fun and glory, um, but there's passion. And I truly believe that if you are passionate about what you are doing, every trial and tribulation that crosses your path will be overcome because you are still passionate about it and you will find a way. Um, I think I'm also quite strong-headed, so every challenge that came my way was just like, right, let's go. How are we going to fix this one? And one of my favorite sayings is... um, and we actually started enjoying the challenge when things were going too smoothly. It was like, uh oh, there's nothing pushing us. We not we haven't we're not being pushed it's out of enough. our box. So it's not enough. So we we had this thing that I always told my people: from adversity comes diversity. Mm. And every time we were thrown a challenge, we came out with a better, a more leaner, meaner way of doing things, mm. um, newer ideas changed ideas um so yeah i think for me that is who am i doing it for why it's for the consumers Mm. also for the staff Mm. all the employees of the company were proud of our products they were proud they all wanted to to wear uh, um, branded clothing not at work they asked us to buy um, hoodies and beanies and sweaters that were branded. They wanted to pay for it themselves. It was not about wanting freebies. Mm. They said, please, Mama, can you order them and we will buy them from the company, but we want to show where we work, even mm. on weekends and in our private mm. space. Mm. So there was passion everywhere. Wow. How did your employees take to you leaving? Oh... We don't want to go into tears yet. It was a very, <laughs> it was very emotional. It's yeah. very emotional. I've almost had to do a little bit of cold turkey. I do pop in there. Um, I get a lot of feedback. There've been a lot of resignations, sadly. Um, but I I do get feedback where people say it doesn't matter who bought this business. This is still Mama's business. So, yeah, yeah. And it's tough for them. 
but also, you know, I've, I, I called the business my first child um, because it's, it's now nearly 26 years. My, oh. my son turned 25 yesterday and my daughter's 23. So oh. the, business, the business was born first. And I needed to <laughs> set both my children are out of the house and I've set them free. And, and the business is a child I had to set free. So it's going, it's going through transitional phases. And that's what I tell everybody. You know, it is a new owner. You haven't lost what we had, but it's going to the next level. There are probably going yeah. to be more opportunities if they get bigger. And that's the idea. We are a generation, generation of South Africans. We have faced challenges and been given opportunities that our parents were not. We, we have seized the, the future, future with both hands and we will be the change we want to see in, in our, our nation. nation. Our guests are orchestra conductors, mountaineers, investors and activists, pilots, winemakers and more. To listen, simply search for Change in One Generation wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by The Change Exchange. Helping you to better navigate life's changes. As you were talking through it and talking about selling it and how, you know, I think they always talk about uh, in entrepreneurship that when you build a business and you're thinking about, you should always think about what was what's going to happen towards the end, right? So mm-hmm. that you're creating an asset of value that you're going to sell. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, when you've when you've birthed this thing and you've walked a journey with it for so long, it must have been very difficult to mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you know, even even as a, as a logical decision around what you want to do, the emotions around letting that go must have been difficult. But you mm-hmm. talk around a topic that we want to unpack, which is really around change. And you've talked now the fact that having almost been being out of the business for a year, um, um, you know, you're, yes, there's been some challenges in that space, but you're seeing that there, there are some opportunities that can arise, you know, for the business itself. What are you seeing from a change perspective in terms of the business, the industry that you've been in for now 20, you said what, 26 years, etc. What, what are you seeing? What are the opportunities so that those that are listening on the other side who are either in the industry or are thinking about getting into industry, where do you see those opportunities? What's what's likely to, to un, un, unfold for other people in the space? I think in the poultry industry, as I say, when I sold last year, I was doing 170,000 chickens a week. Um, and that's a lot. But in the chicken industry, it's about 20 million birds a week. Sure. So the free range is a very small sector mm. of it. I think um, where change is coming, I is my assumption is that people are looking more at going back to to smaller not mass produced products mm, so mm. i believe that the niche market in the poultry industry has got some some footage and some ground although Unfortunately, the niche market can never comp- compete on price mm, that the mm. bigger players have. So I, mm. s- I see possibly because a lot of the medium-sized players have closed. They are not big enough to compete on scale of efficiencies with the big guys. Yeah. And they are not small enough to be niche. <laughs> sure. So it's um, and, and, and also a lot of the middle-sized players did not... Um, um, plan properly or didn't keep to what was unique of theirs and they're sort mm, of trying mm. to grow into big and, and, and you lose things along the way so I do believe that there is 
definitely going to be growth in niche markets, in free range, the healthier option, the animal welfare option. Uh, also, that on the way here, I heard we're going to have um, fuel shedding possibly. Eish. And if that's the case, we can't move food all over the countryside. Yeah. So your little home grown within your area mm. is going to become a really valuable uh, business that you've got yeah. because you can't firstly you can't drive to the shops to go and get your food but secondly the farmers aren't going to have fuel to get all the producers to the stores to even take it there so i think i think we are going i'm i believe we will be seeing in the food sector which is what i'm in we will be seeing a lot more growing your own veggies in your garden mm. having your chicken with eggs laying and and you know not many people um are going to slaughter at home. I think that's uh, that's yeah. we're not quite there yet, um, and I yeah I think that's sort of possibly where the change is coming. Um, I, yeah, I think the challenges are the feed prices going up. The war in Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine is not making anything cheaper. No. So input costs are going up hugely. We are seeing changes in climate, which also is affecting. You know the, the the other side of farming, the grain farming, which is what we feed our chickens. So mm. there's a there's there are a lot of changes. Um, so I, all of that brings me back to smaller, little sustainable mm. businesses. Mm. So a lot more of what we did in COVID, I suppose. We all became absolutely farmers and bakers and all yes. sorts of things at home because because of the disrupted value chains, right? And I think yes. you're saying a lot of the external factors are just making that even worse. Uh, and 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 we're continuing with that. And I think perhaps that that's where the opportunity is is for people who. Who, who become very clear about their unique proposition, what makes you special, and kind of focusing on that bullseye of a target audience rather than trying to be mass and to be big. Because mm. I think, as you're saying, that journey is going to be very, very difficult for people to try and climb. Yeah. And I think also the the other side is um, adding value yeah. um, to wh- wherever your chain is. So if you can, so that was my sort of how I put my little flaps on my blinkers or my eyes was. Being a serial entrepreneur, I decided I'm going to focus on the chicken industry. So mm. what can I add on to that? So I stepped back and I got the breeding stock that laid the eggs and had the hatchery. So we had our own day-old chicks, um, didn't mm. buy it in from somebody else and mm. be um, you know, dependent on that. And then opened our own uh, retail outlets to mm. get the chicken direct to, to the farmer. So we call it farm to fork. Yeah. So we had that whole chain. Um, and I think from a, a smaller, if there are listeners that are wanting to start a smaller thing, is what can you offer that the person can't get around the corner? Mm. So yeah. if you have a chicken, do you debone it and put some potatoes and, I mean, being yeah. a bit facetious, potatoes yes. and onions inside and call it mm-hmm. the complete meal. Go and put your yeah. chicken in the oven. You've got potatoes and onions in and you can feed your family. Uh, it's it just uh, that's uh, I mean, I'm just there are so it's many value. out yeah, of the value. box things yeah. what you can add to it to make it easier yeah. for for the person add value right and appreciating where people are and you know talking about this time starved environment but you're very right I think it's that question what is your value what is your value mm. proposition what value are you adding better than anybody else what are you doing better than the next person mm. in a and, way that's and difficult in that time you know? in that time starved convenience is the other one add value and, and convenience Okay. Okay. Jean, I think also, 
you, you've talked, I think, over the last couple of minutes, we've also understood, I mean, uh, I'm assuming the question that I want to ask you now around your own personal metamorphosis is related to this business and where you are right now. But the question I really do want to ask you is that, we've, you know, you've talked about the changes that you've seen in your business. You've talked about the from a professional point of view, what change you've had to go through. I want to ask also now from a personal point of view, you know, what is what is what is a significant metaphor more metamorphosis, ooh, English data bundles, metamorphosis uh, that 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 you've experienced in your life, you know, what happened, what triggered it, you know, what about you changed? And I think maybe then just to kind of say what 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 helped you go through that change? What what did you what did you subscribe to? What did you what did you kind of tap into to kind of get you through that change? Okay. Yeah, thanks. Lebo, it's an interesting question because if you'd asked me this five years ago, I wouldn't have known what my metamorphosis really was. <laughs> And I can actually, November is, is, is a big mo- month in my life when I think about it now because 19th of November was the sale of the business. There was oh, wow. definitely a change from stress levels if that was the only thing of metamorphosis. But the, that was uh, 2021. But the 25th of November, 2020, um, I had a, an operation on both my feet and I'd put it out because the doctor told me I had to be in bed with feet up for six weeks. Now, that is that is almost like torture for me. Forget the op, but, but being tied down to a bed. And it was, it was I, I had to have a whole mind, mindset change. But so if I, the, the metamorphosis only happened because I was forced to face my life and my mm. reality. Mm. And so this is on a sort of a personal note, but building up to that point, I I felt that I never fitted in. People uh, challenged me. I in in my family I was told, "Don't do that. That's a man's job." Mm. Um, I'm divorced, so with my ex-husband, he found it threatening that I was successful and achieving, and it it um, sort of highlighted what he wasn't doing. And mm. and I'm I. I the, Friends, girlfriends would find me threatening because mm-hmm. they were not businesswomen. Um, men, men would find it threatening because I was succeeding in perhaps, and I'm really generalizing. Yeah. And, and it's also my, my perception. Yeah. Because yeah. life as you see it is not actually what those people are doing. It's what you feel and what you see yeah, yeah. and how you, uh, work through it. So I, I found myself in an extremely unhappy place personally, which added value to being able to work hard because you just mm. didn't want to be on your own and didn't want to face yourself. So you just threw everything into work. Um, and people didn't appreciate me for who I was. They felt I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. Just calm down, Jean, don't do this. And then when I was in bed, and it was also in COVID, um, Nobody could visit me um, because sure. we were still in pretty much serious lockdown. Um, and my kids had to, it was a very good time. My kids had to look after me. They had to bath me. They had to feed me. <laughs> wow. They had to wheel me to the bathroom. I really, it was, I was an absolute invalid for six weeks. And um, I believe I told them that I didn't want to be a granny yet a while back. And they, they told me that this was the best contraception I could have given them because they didn't want to have to look after anything like this 24-7. But in wow. that time, I, I took a, a book in 
to bed with me for six weeks, a blank book and a pen, and I wrote down everything about my life. I just threw ideas all the time until I realized that actually I'm not that bad. I cannot be that bad because I stopped focusing on the negative and I try to think of all the good things in my Wonderful. life yes. and how these things have changed. And um, I'd, I'd been in some... Um, emotionally abusive relationships but I'd allowed them because I was so needy of somebody to love me mm-hmm. and um, then I I came out of this thing and I, I was so calm and so peaceful it was wonderful and I decided I actually didn't need any relationships anymore because I was fine on my own I didn't yeah. need to find somebody to complete me or to fulfill me and that's what they always say happens um, and then I'm I reunited with a wonderful man that we were at school together for years. Um, and it's been, he, I think, <laughs> and um, it's been amazing because I do believe he was sent into my life at that time when I was ready to start loving myself. And he has sort of shown me really how how somebody can be next to you and enjoy your strengths and enjoy your successes and not find them threatening or challenging or reflecting on yourself. Oh, Jean is so good. What are people going to think about me? me. It's none of that. It's, it's, It's proud and joy. And so... My huge personal metamorphosis, I thank my foot doctor for. (laughs) Wow. I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking about the gift that you've given so many of us at this moment. Um, And that's the appreciation of the business that comes with being in business, but the joy of stillness and what it can teach you in those moments when you are forced Mm. and often with busy women (laughs) there needs to be something that I have a friend who says to me I think you're waiting for the pain to happen before Before you shift before you shift and change Um, and I keep denying that I keep saying no I'm not waiting for the pain they're like nah you 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 voice over what you know is the right thing to do but you take your time because you actually haven't been forced to stop. It's not it's not uncomfortable and, yet. And it's not uncomfortable yet yeah. because I think sometimes we are conforming to the expectations of how we exist for other people yeah. and how we make it comfortable for other people even whilst we're doing our own thing. So I think for me, thank you for that gift of vulnerability, mm-hmm. that gift of openness. Um, but also in, in that gift is that almost um, an invitation to take time I'm going to take from you the concept of journaling Mm -hmm. writing down Mm -hmm. what people often ask us and and as one of my other field businesses Mm. was publishing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so people are often asking um, what do you read but I think there's a powerful statement is what do you write what do you Mm. write Um, because a lot of us are not getting enough context from African women about their thoughts in our context in our world so the ability to say I spent that time writing um, being at peace with my words being at peace with my thoughts and in there making sense and meaning for me I think is also a powerful tool we talk about coping mechanisms um, of navigating Mm. change and for shifting 
our perspective and our paradigms and that gift of silence, that gift of journaling, coming to terms with what you're thinking, how you're thinking and how you're positioning is such a wonderful gift. Um, I'm hoping there's a book out of that, Sean, out of that that journaling, maybe lessons and books and you know, we talked about the Midas touch earlier on, so perhaps. <laughs> I think, I think if I, if I, what my, my one book or talk I would like to do is how to sell a business. Oh. Pre, during, and post, because there are a whole lot of things that, that happen with that. Um, and there's a lot post that I'm learning as I'm going, um, which is important to share. Oh. Are you journaling that? In my head. <laughs> okay, but you know what I say to a lot of African women and uh, for me African is the, the multiculture and, and it's around the continent yeah. is I think we underestimate the power of our spoken word into our phone so if you don't have time to write it down please um, note. take mm-hmm. a note voice note and get somebody else to write it in the meantime because I think we miss out on these powerful gems that mm. um, can be used by many others mm. at some point in time so the time that we've had, Jean, you've spoken so many things. I mean, the, 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 the journey of your business, your personal metamorphosis. There's so many things that you've landed in there that I think require podcasts just on their own. Yeah. Uh, but we're so grateful for the time that you've shared with us. We're so grateful on behalf of our listeners for the gems that you've, you've dropped because mm. I can imagine that people that are listening to this, if there's not one, there's many of things that they can take from, from, from you. And I think, uh, it's so wonderful that you continue to give back beyond just this conversation which is another form of giving back and sharing your story it's also the work that you're doing with other women around you and we're hoping to tap into that in the future as as, as you move along and so thank you so much for your time thank you for your thoughts your vulnerability and I think just your authenticity because that's wow. also one of the things that we look for in these conversations is the authenticity of conversation and I and yeah we look forward to having more of these because as I said this is part one of many <laughs> absolutely definitely calling on you <laughs> Thanks, thanks so much, Lebo and Rima. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this was brought to you by Abba Kogli, the Storytellers, a Womanomics Africa podcast brought to you by Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Visit www.changeexchange.co.za to learn more about the science of change and how you can navigate change in your life. If you're enjoying these groundbreaking conversations, be sure not to miss any of our upcoming episodes like this one. So look, it's it's, it's about it's about impact, mm-hmm. and you know, for Tlaisani, we're not just you know investing for investment's sake. We, we we say, look, what is it that we want as an outcome? Why are we in this? We're investing in the spaces that we're investing in, and how would we value the impact made beyond delivering the product? You know, the main thing in terms of the investee companies that we invest mm-hmm. into. So how many women have we hired? How, how much youth um, have we hired? How many jobs have we created? What is the ultimate impact of what you're doing? And how sustainable is it?